Proverbs chapter 18 Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to the soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hey, as usual, this chapter offers a lot of contrast between the wise and the foolish, and the wicked and the righteous, the rich and the poor. In the last couple of days, I've had a conversation with someone who is talking about changing and not being satisfied with the direction that they're going. And they're referring to that as sin because they're from a Christian background. And today, in a therapy session, the person I was talking to was really talking about the same thing. Like, I'm not satisfied with the way that I'm going. I would like to change. I would like to do something differently so that I can be satisfied. And it struck me that both of them are saying the same things. One is in a religious context and one is in a therapeutic context. The conversations with both of these people were very similar. So to sin literally means to miss the mark. 
if you have established a vision or like it says in this chapter, a man's gift makes room for him. I love that. And so if you're paying attention to what your heart is longing for and you're following your path and you're using your gifts to do good works in the world, that's really the best that you can do. And so for me, anything that takes you off of that path is technically missing the mark, which is the definition of sin. In the Christian tradition, the answer to that is to repent. And repent literally means to turn. So if somebody believes that they are missing the mark and they want to do something differently and get back on the path, they have to turn and and get back on the path. And That's what I was struck by in my conversation with my client today, basically saying the same thing. I'm not happy with the way I'm going. It's not taking me in the direction of becoming the man I want to be. What can I do? How can I get to where I want to go? If, after listening to these chapters and wondering how to be a wise person, how to be a righteous person, I think the answer lies within that to understand and recognize what your gifts are, how you're walking on the path of righteousness and contributing positively to the world and to your fellow man. And if you find that you're not satisfied with your effort, whether that's talking rough to a child or taking your spouse for granted or as it brought up in this chapter, not doing the best you can do at your work, what would it mean? How could you begin to live a life that would be satisfying? And just like I was sharing with my client and this other person I've been talking to, it's little steps. And I use language like leaning in. A lot of times we want that big transformation and we go for the cold turkey. But the people that are the most successful in walking this path are practicing and they're practicing every day. They're aware and they allow themselves to continue to see what it would mean for them to be true to themselves. And then they make adjustments as necessary, calibration, they turn, they get back on the path so that they can look in the mirror at the end of the day and be satisfied. And so the key, if you're unsatisfied with your effort, is to acknowledge that and then to decide what it would take for you to make those little micro adjustments that over time lead to big changes. And in a month or a year or 10 years, you're walking on the path toward becoming what your heart desires for you to be.